Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast a show called Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Now, 2SER broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people, and I want to acknowledge the traditional owners, pay my respects to their ongoing connection to those lands, unceded lands. And the Great Conversations podcast grows out of that show, Final Draft. Um... Every week I speak to authors about their books and I share the full conversation as part of this podcast. Now on this week's final draft, we featured a new anthology. It's called After Australia. It takes the reader to Australia in 2050 and the collection features an incredible selection of Indigenous writers and writers of colour telling stories that explore our society and where we're going. So this week I've been doing things a little bit differently. I've been dropping each of those conversations into the podcast. So Now I have got, well, I've got the fourth of those conversations and I want to share and introduce you to Karen Wilde. Karen's debut novel is 2013's When Rosa Came Home. She's also recently the winner of the 2020 Dorothy Hewitt Award for an unpublished manuscript. That means there's going to be a new novel uh, called Where the Fruit Falls coming out later this year. In the collection, Karen's story is called We Live On in Story. We Live On In Story chronicles generations of a family weaving through their history and into untold and deliberately forgotten stories. So join me as we discover Karen Wilde's We Live On In Story. Right now I am joined on the phone by Karen Wilde. Karen Wilde's debut novel is 2013's When Rosa Came Home. She is the winner of the 2020 Dorothy Hewitt Award for an unpublished manuscript. And that means that hopefully we will have her new novel, Where the Fruit Falls in Our Hands, sometime later this year. Karen is also the author of We Live On in Story. It is a part of the After Australia anthology of speculative fiction. Karen, thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining me on the show. Hi. Now, We Live On In Story, it chronicles generations of a family weaving through their history and into an untold and, it seems, deliberately forgotten past. And, Carolyn, the story is structured such that it moves between times and perspectives across generations. Can you start just by telling me a little bit about why you used and the significance of these, these non-linear narratives and, and timeframes? Um, I don't know why I chose nonlinear. Like, I think when I write something, I I just will write it how it feels, and if that doesn't work, then I have to rewrite it. So, um, for example, the novel that I'm getting published in October that was originally um, nonlinear, and then I had to go back and sort of work with eighty thousand plus words to change that. Um, So no, it wasn't a conscious choice. I had this feeling as I read and without giving away too much of the story that we want people to discover for themselves, I had this feeling as we moved between times uh, back and forth in this this family story that the past was ever present because – we were revisiting it and we were living it through the story. It was it was this really sort of visceral reaction, particularly as revelations are, are discovered. Yeah, but I I mean the past is always present, so um, that's that's just something I feel anyway. Of course, is. Um a huge uh, part of the story, though, the idea that the past is always present, 
but in the story that you tell, the the past has been deliberately forgotten. Uh, the past has been obscured. In in the youngest generation that you chronicle, Lily's research on her family and on the land, they lead her to the question: you know, where had all the Aboriginal people gone? And through journals that she discovers, there's a horrible secret that sort of seems to have been collectively forgotten, as if sort of some unspoken pact, a whole lot of people had just decided this thing would not be talked about. And Lily's compelled, mm-hmm. Lily's compelled to uncover this. What, what's the story of uh, the power of that storytelling that she is compelled to do? I think, like, to begin with, like, um, when I came on board with this, like, the title of the anthology after Australia – didn't I wasn't told that title until you know well after when when it was almost um, publication time. So I was responding to um, the the theme of stories um, stories from our future. So for me, and then you know being told that imagine Australia in twenty fifty. So for me, what I thought was I wanted an Australia that started facing up to the past and stopped whitewashing history. So that's why I uncovered the history through that story slowly because that's, I think, what we're still doing now. So how did you feel then when you you discovered the title was After Australia? And is After Australia a meaningful title if we're thinking of of a land that has, you know, sort of worn this title of Australia for, you know, a, a fraction of its long history. I was a little bit surprised with the title. And then I was very surprised with the blurb too, where it says, after empire, after colony, after white supremacy. Because when you read the 12 stories, that's not what's in there. Like, it's still, the stories are still very set in a settler colonial state. It's, the colonisation is still there. There's no after Australia in this book. Um, the one that closely comes to that is probably Ambulance, which for me was the stand- standout story in that because it did address being, it addressed hope and it addressed hate being the biggest problem of now. And it, it gave, it centered Aboriginal people and gave them the role of, um, you know, leading people with justice and healing, whereas the other stories, there was really not much hope or truth there and, and, and probably with mine as well, like the hope that I gave. I mean, like Ample in my story finished in hope, but it was very small hope and the hope was just that we start um, being aware, more aware of history and what that has done and that we're more aware that, that all of this is Aboriginal land. Yeah, I got the real sense... Um reading your story and reading Amberlynn's story that there is, and reading many of the stories that there is so much to grapple with and, and taking those steps to grapple with it. And then in say someone like Claire's story, um, very much dealing with the consequences of not grappling, like where things might go wrong. Do you, do you feel like that, that very much the journey that Lily uh, goes on in, we live on in story that we must, you know, we must acknowledge there are stories. We must look at those stories. And Lily has to face this idea, this prospect that the story could, you know, cause ruptures in her family, this this history that they didn't understand. Um, the, were you trying to talk about the difficulty in even beginning that process? 
Yeah, but I mean, like it's been a while since I read my own story, so I'm trying to recall. But I think also that she probably came at it herself from a problematic view where she wasn't undigging her stories as such to to um, find the truth more than it was almost like a novelty to her, um, a challenge um, to uncover. So I don't, I don't under, I don't think before she passed away whether she really understood what she was uncovering herself. Mm. I don't think it was until the next generation that occurred. Yeah, I got the sense. I got the sense though that once it was understood there were stories, that there was a compelling driving force that they they had to be told, they had to be faced. Yes, yes, but she still wasn't connecting story to responsibility. I mean, it, she was interpreting, finding her identity through going to um, events and, and protests and that sort of thing, where I don't think she really quite understood her own identity yet. Can we talk a little bit about um, the land and the way you portray this one particular piece of land that that runs through We Live On In Story. And particularly there's there's a gum tree and it stands in the middle of a clearing and through the story it's witnessed to so much of the, the brutality of the history that you weave. And even after it's mm-hmm. torn down, so for much of the story it exists, it's, it's described as a stump that um, yeah. stands in the middle of this, this clearing. But I felt it... It had this sort of linking power. Its roots sort of wove through the land and it gave stability to maybe the banks of the river as they flew and it spoke to the people as they returned to it. Can you? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've done a very good job, but can you put into words <laughs> this this linking of place and people that you've, you've created in the story? Well, I mean, I think, like, yeah, the, the tree is very much alive regardless of whether it's had its branches chopped off. Um and, and that in itself as a symbology, if, if, if the story is about recreating your family tree and the, the branches in that one were well and truly cut off, but eventually people were able to place it all together. Um, but being aware, I mean, Leroy being the, the, one of the last in that line, even though he's not the last generation mentioned, he, was it Leroy? I even forget his name. Yeah, it was um, really right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he, he's very much aware that that there are branches chopped off, and that that there's, there's no matter healing will will repair some of that. So I think he's a lot more pragmatic than his mother. Um, you also, I guess, in Leroy, you you mentioned before hope, but that it's a measured hope, and it's through Leroy that we see that hope emerge he mm-hmm. he arrives on the property he decides to look at the the house last because he's he's more interested in the land and i i think that's that's what we see through leroy is through the land that's where any healing or any um any i guess sort of uh, bringing it all together comes from how do you feel about that what, what you called before that met that measured hope that sort of limited hope that things can start to move forward well i think like you know it's the understanding that the land and us are not disconnected. Like the healing of the land is the healing of us and vice versa. Um, there's that relationship there. But the other relationship he's got is with with language. He's very interested in linguistics and it's through 
through you. He's interested in linguistics. That he's interested in stories. Is there? Um, but also, I don't. I, I think a lot of, and I can't remember her name. See, it's been ages since I've read his story. But he's um, his nephew's wife, and her child, their child. I think it's through that generation that Lero was able to have momentum in what he wanted to do um, because, you know, she came into the family with very strong stories herself and, and it was discovered that some of them were from, from you know, going right back to Lilith. But it's it's her coming into the family who's, who's also had things happen in her family, such as stolen generation, but her, her side of of that family is a lot more connected and so she's able to bring that in and and help Leroy find his own connections. I don't, I don't think he would have been able to do it without her. We are discussing We Live On In Story. I'm speaking with Karen Wilde, who is the author of that. It's part of the anthology After Australia. Look, Karen, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to come on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry I can't remember my own story. That's it for this great conversation with Karen Wilde. The After Australia collection is out now through a firm press. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at two SER's Broadway studios, and it records on the lands of the Darug and Gundungurra people up in the beautiful Blue Mountains just outside of Sydney. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Now, the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing and literary culture. And if you could help me help others discover these great Australian books, I would greatly appreciate that. I love sharing my love of reading and I hope you do too. If you can click some stars, leave a comment on the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps put the podcast in front of other eyes so other book lovers can discover great Australian writing. You can also join us on the socials. Look for at Final Draft 2SER on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. My name is Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Until then, wish you happy reading. Bye now.